1: this is sad bell with the kansas city soccer journal uh this i'm going to say this is an episode of keeping current with kansas city even though it'll be a little bit more than just kansas city with me i have a a a special guest anna witty is that the right way to say it
0: it is you got it
1: I'm always worried everybody yes. has a little different pronunciation so
0: No, you nailed it.
1: All right. Uh I met Anna a couple of years ago at the San- the the soccer coaches convention. It was in Kansas City and we kind of become friends and we've conversed every every once in a while and all that stuff. But uh she knows the NWSL and a lot of other soccer. You were a college player and you were a broadcaster now. Just what else would you like the people to know about you?
0: Yeah, no, I, um, that's basically it. I would say I'm a broadcaster because underneath that umbrella, I feel like I do so much in the world of soccer and just sports in general. I call soccer, especially the NWSL as an analyst. I can do play by play. I love doing sideline reporting for hoops and for football as well. Um, but I also love the social media aspect and the TikTok, the Instagram, and kind of getting into the behind the scenes of all that. So I love touching a little bit of everything especially in the soccer world um so broadcaster definitely encompasses it all for sure well
1: cool. uh because i've enjoyed sitting and talking soccer again we've mostly talked NWSL, but soccer mm-hmm. in general I, I know you moved to a new area are you kind of it getting is. into uh like any new teams over there
0: oh you know just charlotte fc in my backyard well yeah so they made it to the wildcard game Um, And that was extremely exciting. And I actually was here a few weeks ago when Messi came into town. And I almost bought the $68 nosebleed ticket. But I was like, there's no way he's playing. He's not going to play on this turf. It's the final game of Inter-Miami season. Just no way. And of course he played. And I wasn't there. But no, I I certainly have really enjoyed following them and, and getting into that fandom. They have such great fans here. And also the, the League One level, the Charlotte Independence, the NCFC over in Raleigh are both in the finals. So there's a lot of soccer here in the Carolinas. And one of the reasons that I really moved back, I'm originally from Cary, North Carolina. And there's just so much going on in this state when it comes to the youth level. Collegiately, there's a lot of great colleges. Um, and then obviously at the professional level as well. So yeah, I love Charlotte. It's a great town
1: yeah that whole area is is great with soccer. that's uh I've I mean, very been very happy in Kansas City with sporting Kansas City, FC kC you now the current the uh, the indoor team and minor league teams and colleges and stuff, but not quite at the level with some of that out there. so uh, I would be uh, I'm kind of jealous that you have that many different things to to watch and follow and and report on
0: yeah, no it's it's really fun. I will say, you know with Charlotte FC being in its second year it's going to be really exciting to see its growth like you're in a position where with Sporting KC, it's been around for a long time. There's been a lot of consistencies, and I think it's cool to see the growth of Charlotte FC, the fandom, what kind of fans are attracted to soccer and MLS in particular. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. I mean, y'all, we also have the Panthers. We have the Hornets. We have a lot of really good college hoops in this area as well, and obviously our Panthers aren't that good this season. Our Hornets haven't been good historically. I mean, you guys had the Chiefs, so I can't even – I, can't, I shouldn't even be talking about NFL.
1: Yes, <laughs> yeah, see, I don't think I'm allowed to talk NFL. <laughs> I think I'd have to pay a bribe or something to be allowed to talk about that.
0: Yeah, no, so many good storylines in that league. But soccer, um, uh, football in general is is just really great in this town. And like I said, it's it's the reason I moved back for sure. One of the reasons.
1: My my one end to talk about uh, the NFL, though, is you know Mahomes is like an owner of everything. So right. And him and his wife, uh, part owners in the current and. Yeah, and him part owners in Sporting KC and the Royals. So and I I think he really owns the Chiefs. Nobody just knows it yet.
0: I'm I'm sure he does. I'm sure it's on his list of things to do. If he doesn't, Brittany probably does. Yeah, Uh, he's smart. He's been really smart with his money. But it's and like to your point, it's been fun to see how people have become attracted to the NWSL just based off of different owners.
1: Yeah, that has been a big attraction, and it's uh, kind of a kind of a new thing with the NWSL is attracting those celebrity owners that then bring in a few additional fans and that that crossover.
0: Totally, you see it in Angel City. I've I've been able to go to a few of those games in the past few seasons, their first two years, I guess. And uh, it's just it's really fun to see like the energy, how the owners get involved, and how that's bringing in so many different fans in the LA area.
1: Yeah. They didn't uh they didn't make it out of their first round of the playoffs though, did they?
0: No, no, they didn't. But I I, I like I I really like what they have building over there, you know, with Becky Tweed now returning. I think they've got something brewing for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. Kind of going to one of the original reasons I brought you on was to talk about Kansas City, though. And because yeah. you've 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 covered Kansas City current games and a lot of NWSL games kind of let's let's kind of look back at the year what did you see go wrong for kansas city
0: biggest thing that probably went wrong for kansas city is the amount of injuries that they had you look at morgan Gatra, vanessa DiBernardo. there was debina out for periods i think kristen hamilton was out for for a good bit as well and there was that changing of the back line which was probably the biggest thing that happened to this kansas city side that put them in that position to not towards the end not be able to push through. I think you talk about their center backs, and with Robinson sliding in, um, there was another center back as well. I forget who she is off the top of my head, but she slid into those defensive roles. Yeah, yeah. go ahead.
1: I was gonna say, uh, early on when they had uh, Elizabeth Ball out, they brought in Croy Soto. So you had right. two rookies, one of them not even drafted,
0: starting right. center back. Right. So it, it, I think just the mix of that and then bringing in an interim head coach after Matt Potter got fired, I think there was just so much that happened off the field, on the field with injuries and with changes that are very hard to do. And then you throw in the world cup and so many different changes that are really hard to break out of. And Kansas city just wasn't able to repeat what they did the year prior.
1: When, uh, when Potter was in charge, he was uh, a bit more defensive and more, you know, countering kind of coach. And, uh, Caroline Wehrblum was more, uh, wanted to be more possession and you know good attacking how much do you think that may be played into that that difficulty of changing styles
0: yeah no I think that's a fair question I would say that it's a good bit I would say it was a little bit of, of of the change and I think maybe it's not even the style but a different approach and a different head coach and somebody who wants them to play like you said in a different style and then as soon as Warebloom came in, we started to see those injuries slowly but surely trickle into the team. So not only was it a wholesale style change to an extent, but it was also now they were having to shift players maybe into positions that they normally don't play, playing next to players that they normally don't play with, and it put them in a position where it was a, a growing year, a year that they had to build, a year that they had to adapt and learn. And I think, honestly, for Kansas City, you know, you look at some of the negatives, yeah, they didn't get the results. They ended at the bottom of the table this year. There was so much individual growth, and I think growth as a team, now that they have a new head coach and they have a direction and they have somebody that they think will be consistent and steady with them for the foreseeable future with this club, I think it kind of relieves these players and lets them relax a little bit. You also look at the age, too. There's a lot of young players on this Kansas City team, and it's just it comes to a point where there's a lot outside of just soccer and I think that's kind of what happened this year.
1: Uh, another injury that we, neither one of us mentioned earlier was uh, Alex Loretta. Uh yes. She was, you know, consistently being a, a six last year and she was without uh, Desiree Scott there. She was needed as a six this year and she was out for quite a while too.
0: Right. And Alex Loetta, that's funny you bring that up because I actually called Santa Clara's game against Gonzaga this past weekend. And we were talking to her former head coach at Santa Clara. And he was making a comparison to another center back that he currently has there and saying when Luetta was a player at Santa Clara, she wanted to be a midfielder. And then they drifted her back into the center back role. She did not want to play there at all. They moved her back up into the midfield and then they lost. And she was like, "Okay, I understand that you want me in that center back role. So it shows that she has that ability to play both positions, but then she gets injured and she can't slide back into that center back role, which they really needed her in. Yep. So yeah, that was a huge loss for them this year.
1: Yeah. She's, she's very versatile in that and she can play either. I know she likes the midfield better and she's been one of the strengths with, uh, you know, picking out player, uh, you know, those long passes to switch to the, to the wing or, you know, slide it through to the forward. And she's, she's really good at that. She's a I hate that I I never want to be biased, but she's one of my favorite players in the NWSL right now.
0: Yeah, I I could I could totally see why you enjoy watching her play. And not only is she good at switching the point of attack, she has this steadiness and this calmness, especially in her second season. You could kind of see that when she did come back onto the field towards the end of the year. She had been through so much. She had experienced the NWSL already and she understood the role really well that they, they were asking her to play. So for her she has an extremely high ceiling in that role it was just again another bummer and another player that you don't want to see get injured in a year that you already have so much chaos going on
1: yeah i don't want to turn this into a Lorera show but she was also more a little more mature than some of the rookies coming out of college cuz she got an extra year in college right for santa clara with the uh, with the whole covid years so.
0: right right exactly
1: uh ah. Speaking of the transition that's facing the current, like you said, they they now have a new coach, Vlako Anonofsky, Kansas City resident, uh, guy I've known for a long time since he before FC KC days. Uh, obviously, he's got experience in the NWSL in those first few years, and now is coming back to it after a not quite successful stint at the national team coach. What do you see that he can bring and what does he need to accomplish?
0: I think Ananowski is going to be excellent for Kansas City. First, his experience in knowing the town of Kansas City. He knows the soccer in that area. He's comfortable in that area. His family is there. He's not going to have to be doing as much travel as he was doing with the national team. And the biggest thing that stood out to me in his press conference was he said he wants to be a part of the day-to-day. When you're a national team head coach, you are essentially just a recruiter, constantly watching the players that you have recruited. You're traveling to to games often, and that's a lot. And those are two very different things, and you don't see it in other sports um, at all, really. And it, you, it's a hard transition. So I think for him, he got a lot of flack after the World Cup. And some of it probably was rightly so, that yeah. he did res- deserve it because he's the head coach, and he did do a good job of shouldering that and having good responses but I also think too you look at the U.S. national team playing their recent friendlies against Columbia they didn't play well I think there's a big there's a bigger story there it can't just be his fault and I thought it was really interesting when players started coming out and 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 kind of slightly throwing a little bit of jabs at him if yeah. you know what I'm saying he didn't say anything he didn't come out and he just let it happen, and now he's back in the NWSL. That, to me, is a coach that you can really respect and takes his job and his role extremely seriously. I think he's going to be good at, on 1v1 relationships, like really good at developing players, encouraging them. It's a young team, and that's what they need as well. His tactics are so strong. I mean, he's shown that he understands the game, especially this league. It's changed since 2019 and and when he was here. But all that to say, I think he still has a really good opportunity just to prove that hopefully, you know, over the next few years, this club could get healthy. Um, But I'm really excited. And I also think, too, Kansas City's a club where they're growing off the field as well. He is a name in this sport that everybody knows. And he has that in his back pocket as well to kind of grow soccer in in your backyard
1: yeah i'm I'm really looking forward to him being back uh and again i like caroline Herblum, her wear bloom i'm just gonna call (laughs) it a tricky one yeah i I try i try really i do um i I really liked her and i think she will be a good coach i think she just probably needs to grow a little bit more and have that experience a little bit more uh vako in something you mentioned that he mentioned in the press conference was the day-to-day stuff my biggest concern with him going to the national team was that he didn't have the players on a constant basis and to make them better. Um, Cause I would watch him with FC Casey watch watching with the, the Kansas City Comets in the indoor league and players would just get better every little, you know, little bit here and there and they would just get better throughout the entire year. The team would be playing at their best at the end of the year. And that was because he would continuously coach them to be a little bit better on everything they're doing. And I was afraid that with the national team, you can't do that because you only have players for a week or two weeks or a month at the most. And you can't change their habits in that time. You can't make them no. much a whole lot better. You can tiny little things here and there. And I would watch national team players leave FC Casey playing really, really well, go to the national team and regress. And when they come back and all of a sudden they were just making stupid runs again until about a two weeks later and back into practice and they were kind of back into doing the form. I'm not going to name names there. Um, So I do think that that's really going to be a strength for him and with back with a a club team.
0: Yeah, I I agree. And I think at the national team level, and something I've learned as a broadcaster and just covering the sport the past few years, is your role as a coach with the national team, you're really not even a coach or a manager. You're just corralling good talent and then using the short period of time that you have five to six times a year to make sure that talent's good for the Olympics, the World Cup, and what other important tournaments they have coming up. So it's a very difficult position to be in. You have to be a good people person and be able to reach out to people often. And I think him in Kansas City having, you know, 22 league games consistently, being able to work with these players in and out. But I will say the caveat for that too is it'll be really interesting to see how he manages this team in 24. Can he get them on the right track? And if he doesn't, that's where I think you have the leg to stand on. Is he, you know, the coach that he was prior?
1: And it could have just been that at the early part of the NWSL history, they it wasn't a great league.
0: Totally. I mean, there's, yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you look back at when he was successful. I mean, this league looked so different in 2018, 2019, really the early days. The amount of talent that they were bringing in. I mean, there was no international players coming. There was no like outside of Dabinia, really. There was no Caroline or anything. So I think the talent level, who he's going to be coaching against, is going to be drastically different for him, and that is probably going to be one of his biggest hurdles. I think this season.
1: Yeah, I I think the talent. I think you're right on the talent level. I do think that there was a lot of good coaches back in the early Nibiusel days. A lot of terrible people, though
0: yeah yeah there well, definitely I don't was want, a lot of terrible people
1: <laughs> but if i say there are good coaches i don't want people to get the wrong you know the wrong idea okay. there i'm not saying they were good people because obviously there were some people that were horrible um so as he as he takes over um you know he's going to have uh, a new young player uh, you know players not even turned 16 yet alex pfeiffer she'll turn 16 like this month i think uh, you know, he'll have a chance to develop her, Michelle Cooper, uh, Alexis Spanstra, uh, who turned, I mean, at the end of the season was, you know, uh, a, a, a shining light on the team, uh, scored a great goal, made some great plays. Uh, you know, she'll, he'll have a couple of, international center backs. Uh, you know, we, we don't know what the team's going to look like because, you know, how everything's going to turn out over the offseason with expansion drafts and free agency and stuff. But they'll have a lot of talent to work with.
0: Yeah, I think ananowski's walking into a situation where players are now coming back from the, from the injuries that they sustained in the 23 season. And they're able to work. And they're able to kind of come together and, and do more than just off-the-field, you know, team-building type stuff. And, I mean, you mentioned Spanstra. She was the 10th overall pick in 23. She was a bright talent for Kansas City, and it, it's clear that she still has that. But it's now that Anoski is getting a hold of her, now that she's in a system that has a consistent coach, there's consistent people kind of in her her brain. I think that's the hardest thing for some of these young players coming into the NWSL is having to handle not only an extremely long season, the trades and getting new teammates and getting new coaching staff. Now that this Kansas city team has some of their key players kind of locked in, hopefully, I mean, the expansion draft could change everything. Um, I think this is a good position for him to be in with some of these players, but yeah, no, I agree. I think Spancho was great towards the end of the year. Mace is a great consistent leader. Somebody you can bet on Elizabeth ball being back as an anchor. Um, a lot of bright talent. Hopefully we get to see Desiree Scott at the beginning of 24 too. I would assume we would, but you never know.
1: Yeah, I don't know. She's a, she's a free agent and having she been is. injured all year, I'm not sure what their plans are, for her are, but she's always a great locker room person, no matter how much she's actually contributing on the field. So that's mm-hmm. a benefit to bring her back one way or the other. Um, but again, you don't know, never know what new teams might be wanting also.
0: You don't. You don't know what other teams want. You also don't know what Kansas City wants. Like, yeah. even though this was technically Matt Potter's team before Ananowski took this over, they do have different soccer brains. I think Potter, like you'd mentioned, wanted to be transitional. He wanted to be, you know, a, he wanted to be a coach who really played the ball on the ground. But I also think there was a little bit of, like, pockets and holes within their style that didn't fit some of the players. Um, so I think with Ananowski it'll be interesting to see what type of players he's looking to recruit now that he's back in the day-to-day system. Cause we haven't seen him technically recruit talent since 2019 outside of national teams. So what is that style he's going to want to play now that he's out of this U S soccer system?
1: And with the U S he wanted the best players. He wanted the players who could do all the attacking stuff, the Katarina Macario's and Rose Lavelle's. Unfortunately, they just, they were either hurt and couldn't be there or were hurt and weren't at their best. Um, yeah, it will. It just it will be very interesting, and I, you know, because coaches are notorious for coming in saying we want to do this, this, and this, and then they don't really do that. I don't think that's the case for Vlaco, but you know, it was f- so frustrating when Matt Potter came in. Oh, we want to reflect the city. Well, well, what does that mean for your style? Well, we want to reflect the hard work of the city. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't heard a coach, coach say that before. Yeah.
0: Coach speak, and I don't think Ananowski's that guy. And no. you kind of mention like, how do they want to play, it is the coach going to get players to reflect that. Ananowski seems to have a really good relationship with Chris and Angie Long, and they clearly wanted him. I'm sure everybody in the league wanted him, but they really wanted him. And he's familiar with Kansas City. Like He wants to have a more successful career in Kansas City probably than anybody else wants him to have a successful yep. you know, career in Kansas City. So he's going to be able to go to, I think, Chris and Angie Long and be like, this is the player I want no how can we go about this how can we execute it and i think that's something really special that kansas city might have up on different ownership head coaching relationship across the league like you don't really hear about ownership getting involved and having a relationship with the head coaches more than i hear the longs being outspoken on social media and with inanoski
1: yeah they they are used to getting what they want so yes they wanted Vlaco. And they'll spend the cash. Yes. Yeah, it's clear evidence. I think. And I think, uh, think Vlaco probably got a very good contract. I'm not privy to that, obviously, but I think he probably got a very good contract.
0: I know. I want to. I want to see that. I want to see all these contracts. I, you know, like player contracts, coaches contracts. I think that would bring such an extra level to how you and I see the game and how you and I could kind of, in these types of podcasts, like just yeah. break down this player, Joe Smith is getting paid $40,000 and playing lights out. And I don't know, Alex Morgan is getting paid $250,000 and she's not like, why aren't we? That's where I think if we knew this kind of stuff, like in the NFL, for example, it would be so much more uh, fun, you know, like we could compare and, and figure out, you know, what's really going on.
1: With the MLS, the players association actually puts out the salaries twice a year mid season so and at the end of the season. And it is actually the biggest uh views, hits on our site for of any article. That's the one that like gets referred to the most that people read it and they refer back to it. And it is it's it will generate hits until the next one's out.
0: That's crazy. Yeah, see what I mean though? Like and people are are probably looking at that who maybe aren't big MLS fans and then they're like, okay, this guy gets paid back. Yeah. Oh, I have to go watch him play. You know, I think the same thing for NWSL, like Dabinia gets paid that, oh, she must be good. We got to go see her, you know?
1: Then it's also like, oh, that rookie is only getting paid X. And now they're starting over top of the person who's making five times as much or 10 times as much.
0: Oh, I know. It's, it's the money behind it all. I think, you know, I, I get it to an extent, you know, You know, you don't want to make it all about the money, but it's a it's a professional league. And these players, I think, do get paid well. And it would be really fun to see kind of the breakdown of it all, especially get to the middle of the season. There's injuries who kind of is able to step up and be that big player. And how much are they getting paid and what kind of bonuses do they get after what they put out in the pitch the year prior?
1: I do hope the NWSL gets to that level where they are doing that. Uh, I don't have faith it's going to happen anytime soon, but I do hope they do.
0: Yeah. No, I mean, to the credit to NWL though, I think we've mentioned the bad coaching and or the bad people, so to speak, from years prior and the stuff that has, has come out about the league years ago now. And I think the league has done a great job and, and credit to Jessica Bierman, who's really changed how this league is being perceived, how they're kind of marketing themselves um, the, the good play on the field, the fields that they're playing on, the standards that they've set for locker rooms, for coaches, for GMs, for stuff you've never really seen in, in women's soccer here in the States. And if they can continue to grow that ceiling and, and, and make it be, you know, what we hope it all can be in the States, I think they're going to continue to get some of those players from Europe who want to come over here in the summer and have a different experience.
1: No, I totally agree. And and again, credit to NWSL from where they've come from in 2013 to now is is leaps and bounds faster than what MLS did it. I mean, they have right. kind of MLS as a, a little bit of a roadmap of something they can follow, but don't have to follow it exactly. But it and the just the the explosion of soccer across America. I mean, uh the NWSL, MLS, USL, different levels in USL. Uh, academies, which I think is the next big thing that the NWSL really has to focus on is developing academies so that they can develop players at 16 and not 24. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's that's just, a, it's amazing. And I, I'm loving watching the amount of soccer we have.
0: I know, it is really fun. And you mentioned the academies. I go back and forth on that one, to be honest, because I love the college game. Like I think there's nothing like, and not just the college game, but the college experience. I went to Penn State. And I would never trade my experience for anything. Like, I loved obviously the team, what I learned about the game, and how I've grown to love the game and my knowledge for the sport. But my experiences at Penn State, like, I learned how to grow up. I learned how to live with other people. I've learned how to make certain meals that I wanted to eat. I learned how to be a journalist. I went to football games and covered those. I went to baseball games and covered those. Like, I became a better journalist because I wasn't just going to cover soccer and I think you take that away it'll be interesting to see and I don't think it'll ever be fully taken away but it could be taken away and made very different if these academy players and these homegrown players just go straight to the league Um, there's just nothing like college to me I'm I just like even the NIL deal and we don't have to dive into that but that's changed the college game and it's a bummer, honestly. To me, it's a bummer because I think college is so pure and should always stay so pure.
1: I, I on one hand, I agree, I agree with you. On the other hand, I'm uh, selfish and I want the soccer players to develop faster. So I know it's, you know, and I do watch it from the the on the men's side, the academy players. Uh, you're gonna see less and less guys coming out of the co- the college dra- college to go into the MLS draft. They just expanded it. To now down to sophomores uh for mls draft and that's just going to change and there's more players like i'm watching 17 year olds that play like a professional that didn't wouldn't have 10 years ago it's, it's crazy yeah
0: it really is like i've been calling mls next pro this past summer and it's the amount of talent is crazy and, and these and being able to speak to these coaches and how each team has a different approach we want to create individuals we don't want to create a team effort and then some clubs where we want to create a really solid team and then the individuals will either blossom into what we're creating or maybe they're a better fit for another club in MLS um, so yeah no I agree I mean there's there's so many ways to slice it and I think it's it's different for everyone like each individual is going to have a different experience rather, that's College, or having to go to next pro, or do whatever the NPBUSA will develop down the road. But I think the college game is so fun, and you learn so much about yourself at those that age that you go straight to the professional game, and it's just not the same. You're you're hanging out with people in their 30s, their late 20s. You're having to grow up faster. You're traveling a lot. That's a lot for a young person to do, and isn't always right for everyone.
1: Uh, and again, I'm not really going to disagree, but I do think we're that where we're signing players that are 16 now to, you know, professional contracts, it would be better if they could be in an academy to stay, to kind of have that growth where they're more with their own age group or a similar age yeah. group and then, you know, develop to a, 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 like MLS Next Pro where you'll have mostly younger players, you know, you'll have a few older players, but you'll still have kind of that that experience. I know it's not the same as college, but you'll still have a, a peer group experience where it won't be as, oh, uh, you know, I got a, a 30-year-old telling me what to do.
0: Right. Right. No, that's fair. And also too, these 16 year olds being able to train with the best, right? Like you go to a college, you might not fit that system and then you're stuck. And on yeah. top of that, you're having to go to school. Like you look at Mallory Pugh or Lindsay Horan and going overseas right away, not going to college. It worked out for them. But I think if you continue to lean into that a little too hard, I think it's just a fine line. To be honest, there's a fine line of kids who need to go to college. Don't discipline them for that and kids who can go straight pro.
1: And and you'll still see people coming out of college because they will be late bloomers. They will develop Mm -hmm. their game. They will find some mental strength or maturity and they will still come out regardless of how this ends up.
0: Yeah. I mean, Uh, there's still late bloomers in the league too, right? Like there's so many young players who throughout Challenge Cup really stuck out and they're 24, 25 years old. Didn't have that when they were right out of it when they were 22, but being able to to show what they can do later on in their career, I think is important too. I totally
1: agree. Um, we, I think we only got like three or four minutes left before we have to quit. What's your thoughts on NWSL on the, on the, on the on playoffs? The
0: yeah. Oh, the on, playoffs. Yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So the semifinals are this weekend. I think, well, we've got the first ones, Portland against Gotham. You just don't go to Portland and crush and honestly win. I think Port- I know Portland's only lost three games at home this season. Gotham. And Portland, I think their front five look exactly the same. Uh, both sides are extremely healthy. Portland has the consistent back line. Gotham doesn't. And I think that's going to be Gotham's biggest Achilles heel. Got- Portland will win.
1: So Portland, 3-1. Three, three, what do you think?
0: Yeah, 3-1. That's a good scoreline. I'll go okay. with
1: that. Uh, San Diego and the rain.
0: Rain have beat San Diego four times this year. Uh, I think Rain can get a fifth one. I just think they have this like firepower underneath them. credit to Casey Stoney and Alex Morgan and Jaden Shaw and the amount of talent, Daniel Cole, Preco in the midfield. But OL Rain seems to be on a level that they haven't been able to get to this year. I think they're peaking at the right time. Okay.
1: So I'm I'm gonna go with San Diego over the rain. That's fair. And so Portland, San Diego in the final or Portland in the rain in the final. Who yes. uh, who who wins the Portland in the rain in the final?
0: Gosh, Portland and rain in the final. I think I just I'll be safe and say Portland because oh, rain towards the end of all their seasons. They just kind of go downhill. And I think Portland, even though they've had their rough time against Angel City, they're going to pull through. I trust those players more than I, I trust the rain players. What about wave? You think they can clinch their first title? Um,
1: I I'm going to I will lean towards them if they make it. Yes, I, I don't. I, I hate to in a way, but at the same time, I don't really have anybody I'm pulling for in the in those last of uh, that last four. so
0: but like Some San maybe Diego in a... San Diego would be yeah. so cool. like they they draw the coolest crowd. I moved from San Diego. I lived right down the street from Snapdragon, and the constant crowds that they got, like that would be so fun. So I'm personally kind of cheering for San Diego because I've been there this past year and seen it more up in person than any other club. but just think rain has it over them
1: yeah i think it would be a great story though
0: it would be a great story absolutely and i think there's some redemption for like alex morgan honestly like not getting the world cup that she wanted i see that fire in her for wanting a title this year but you could say the same thing for megan rapinoe right like this is her final year didn't get the world cup she needs she wants a trophy and this is it for her
1: that is it all right uh, we will get back together and see which one of us was right. And yes, honestly, probably we're both wrong. It'll probably be Gotham, but yeah.
0: <laughs> oh my God. Go Allie Krieger. She's my fellow Penn Stater. I'll cheer for her all day long. You know,
1: I, if I was going to root for a team, it would actually probably be Gotham in this case. Just yeah. For a lot of reasons, but, uh, I don't think they'll make it, but I would root for them of the last four remaining. So
0: I know I love Juan Carlos Amros. I think he's done a great job. Great coach. Great guy. Yeah. Easy to talk to. But we'll I see. think
1: I think a lot of people didn't think they were going to be this good and all of a sudden they were. So
0: Well, what they did last year to be able to turn it around like this, I wouldn't have predicted it either. But that's what we love about the NWSL, right? Like you can never predict yeah. what is happening.
1: That's, and it's great. That's sports in general and NWSL in specific.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That is true.
1: All right. Uh before we we before we lose our time here, uh do you want to say like how anybody should follow you or listen to you or
0: Yeah. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Anna Witty W-I-T-T-E. On Twitter, I'm at Anna Witty underscore. I'm on TikTok with the same underscore handle. And you can listen to my podcast too. It's at straight from the pitch at S-F-T-P-Pod.
1: Cool. Thanks. I appreciate you coming on. Uh, I always love to talk to you. And let's get together again in a couple of weeks and just talk more, a little bit more in Cell and maybe a little more expansion draft and who might be protected or not.
0: Yes, I would love that. Thank you so much for having me on. This was great.
1: And we are out.